Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Please be seated. The prolific novelist, American novelist, Ernest Hemingway, I think also sums up the heart of the COVID experience. And something I want us to pay attention to when he says, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, some are strong at the broken places. In short, Hemingway says, that when we go through life, disruption is a norm. It's something that will happen. It's not if, it's what? It's when. Tell someone in your, to your blanket when. It's not if, it's when. In Wharton, perhaps after Stanford now, X, yeah, I'll give Stanford some credit today. Warren is the greatest MBA program in the face of the earth. And at Wharton, they are taking COVID and running an experiment. Because the leadership professors at Wharton believe that you should never waste a crisis. Hemingway is instructing us not to walk away from COVID, this public health emergency, without becoming wiser. And the book of Revelations, we're moving away from Acts today because this monumental moment to be together, to see your beautiful faces, is something I don't want to waste. I want us to rethink the idea that we've been exploring this summer together. Why God allows disruption when we were just finding a new normal, when we just entered a new relationship just when we came to school in New York City, just when we were getting the groove of our new job, why God allows disruption? Our lives have been disrupted. My family and I were planning to go to Europe. My, my youngest son, Joshua, loves bread. And he said, Dad, I need to go check out the Ratatouille place. I need to eat the baguette. Because I told them about the McChicken at McDonald's at Paris. When you eat the McChicken with the baguette, it's a gourmet sandwich. We plan to go to Europe, Paris, London, and the Grand Canyon. Canceled. I hate cancel culture. Especially when it's by COVID. <coughs> so we've been disrupted. But when you look at the book of Revelations... Let's turn to our text. A lot of people read verse 20 from this Revelation 3.20 and skip verse 19 because 19 is quite unpleasant. How many people like being rebuked? 
Raise your hand. You, you're weird. Uh, no one likes to talk to my wife. My wife goes, you know, to someone, let's have a chat. No. <laughs> you know, sometimes I just want to, you know, meet people and, and be friendly, want to take them out to dinner. I go, hey, let's, let's have a meal together. They're like, what did I do wrong? But, but those whom I rebuke and discipline, no one likes rebuke or discipline, being disciplined. But a lot of people miss in this text, they read verse 20, here I stand at the door, the voice of Jesus and knock. A lot of people picture Thomas Kincaid paintings where Jesus is knocking softly in your heart and saying, let's chill out together, let's fellowship. And that is the case. But the contextual underlying thrust of this text is a rebuke not a gentle whisper. In fact, if you read it in context, what you would really hear is not Jesus knocking, but the fact that you can't hear him knock because of the noise surrounding our lives. So let's ask that question again that we've been asking throughout the summer, throughout the COVID experience. Why does God allow interruption when we're just finding our groove? just finding a rhythm, a new normal. The first lesson we learned from this text, he wants to free us from what is trivial. What I call it a snare and a maze is because trivial things end up becoming the motif of our lives. If you read this book of Revelations 3, Jesus says to this church in Asia Minor, because you've become rich in former verses. And this is unique in, the, in Revelations and in any epistle in the New Testament because Christianity from the very beginning deals with people in poverty. 90% of Christians around the world still are poor. You sitting here are part of that 1%. And so this church parallels New York very well. It's the first time in history that Jesus is addressing a wealthy first world congregation. And what happens when you have mobility, when you have upward mobility, you become ensnared in things that are trivial. And if we're not careful, trivial things could not just run our lives, it could ruin our lives. How many people here live on your phone basically? Raise your hand if you live on your phone, don't lie. And you're in, in the same room, but you're talking to someone else. That's not in the room. And if you're in a relationship, this could be pretty detrimental. Where you talk to people not there, and you ignore the people there. Bill Gates, 20 years ago, said that spam would destroy the use of email. How many people here are meticulous and sort of OCD? You have to clean out your inbox every day. Raise your hand if you're like that, if you're like me. Okay, that's me. How annoying is it to delete every single email? It takes forever, but I do it. One time I tried. I was there for two hours. I was caught in the snare of things that are true. And what am I deleting? Anthropology. I'm like, why is my wife? email to this, subscribing to this, ESPN, somebody trying to sell me a book, right? Old Navy's having a, I mean, what's going on? And I'm, and this is my life. We, we live pulled by notifications on our phone, which are not significant at all, but we're pulled by it. 
My wife gave up. She has 30,000 emails on her, on her phone, like 37,000. It's red and it's at 37,000. So when the scandal happened with Hillary in the last election and they were going crazy about what happened to the 30,000 emails, I'm like, my wife has 37,000. And she was born in the 70s. And if you really contextually put Hillary Clinton's idea of why she had so many emails and why she deleted them eventually, it's because she was born in the 40s. She was, she's a grandmother. I mean, I should have worked for the campaign. I mean, she was a grandma that couldn't figure it out. But this is the snare of what is trivial. And what do we miss? We miss relationships. The whole point of the smartphone is to make you live smart, but we live what? Stupid. Tell someone stupid. In Staten Island, they say stupider. We're getting stupider. I mean, that's the snare and the maze of living for what is trivial. So you see COVID in a sense could be a gift because it stops us in our tracks at the moment and makes us examine how we were living beforehand. Were we just in the rat race? Just allowing notifications and flags and, and alarms that go off our phone control our lives. Because you see the reason the church this particular church couldn't hear the knock of Jesus and couldn't pay attention to what Jesus was saying was because they were surrounded by the noise that was drowning out his voice. In the end of our lives, and many of you are young, so you're not thinking that, but I am these days, even though I am 32 now. <laughs> why, why? That's a lie? But no one will ever say regret doing trivial things. No one thinks about that when they die. They say that when you die, your life flashes before your eyes. And who do you see? You see people you love. The people you said you loved. And then the people you didn't love. Well, you wish you had more time with them. You wish you spent more time with them. You don't think about all the things that snared you and took life from you. So at this moment, will you close your eyes and do an exercise with me? And will you ask the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to show you pictures of times when you're snared by things that are trivial. You're stressed out. This morning I was stressed out because my wife overcooked my eggs. And I want my eggs to be runny to in the jam. And I almost had a hissy fit because I was, I was hangry and I was about to break. You see, we get just worked up by these trivial things and we forget the point. Well, you have the Spirit of God right now to show you how you're missing it. And allow the grace at this moment to hear the knock of God's voice in your life so you can respond and be led right now. I'm going to give you just a few seconds to think about and reflect about that.
In Jesus' name, amen. How many people here want to flourish in your life? Raise your hand if you want to flourish in your life. And you might say, you might, when you hear the word flourish, you might think, well, I want to be famous or rich. No, just rich or successful. I want you to think about the analogy of the smartphone and how it is ruining society and even the quality of our relationships. Think about this. The men that created the advent of social, which are Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg, who created the smart platform and the social network. You know what they decided early on? To wear the same clothes every day. Why? Because you don't want to spend any time on something trivial. How many people here today, you go, what should I wear? And you spend 30 minutes. You're like, no, I didn't. I just woke up like this. Liars. Mark, so the creators of the smartphone and the social media platforms are the creators of these distractions. But in their own lives, they prioritize what is what? Significant and substantial. And they focus on what? Building something substantial and something of substance versus being pulled by things that are distracting and a waste of time. So to refocus. So God wants to set us free through this disruption, a moment to reflect on what? To be set free from what is trivial. Amen? So the maze of what is trivial. And then Jesus says in verse 20, Here I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come eat with that person and day with me. So, what is he instructing here after the rebuke and the discipline of saying, can you listen to what I'm saying as you stop and prevent the noise, mitigate the noise, and you get to hear his voice? Why does he allow interruptions? And it, that's simple, to nudge us to pursue a life that's sentimental. How many people here are sentimental? I am. I cry watching movies all the time. I cried just last night watching a movie about time with my son. And some people think sentimentality is corny. Like, oh, you're so sentimental. The truth is, if you don't add years to life, and just years, life to years, really, what's the point? What's, it's about the quality of your life. And Jesus is trying to instruct a way for us to put relationships first. And what has COVID taught us? That's what's important. That's the longing in the heart. And so what is he saying? Go back to relationship. Go back to your relationship with God. Go back to your relationship with people. So I want to share about About Time. How many people have seen um, About Time? Raise your hand if you've seen About Time. If you haven't seen it, you're all sinners. You need to pray for mercy and grace. It's a movie. You, it's a must-see movie. And my son was like, Dad, this is pretty corny. Travel, time travel? I watch any movie with Rachel McAdams in it. I mean, she's a great actress, and the notebook got me hooked. But 
the whole premise of About Time is about time travel. The men in this particular family at the age of 21 could travel back in time, not forwards, but back. In, in the midst of, of, of his son's 21st birthday, the father instructs him, the men in our family can do this and they, you know, they go back and forth with banter. But the father says, what are you gonna do with it? If you're gonna do something with it, do, it, do something that's substantial. And, and the son goes, mm, uh, you mean like become rich? Because if you could travel back in time, you could literally buy Google or, or Amazon or Square. You know, you can buy Apple at 26. My friend Ed Wharton bought Apple at two and still held it. I hate that guy. Now, right? I mean, you would do, and, and the father said, no, never ever use it on things that trivial. The son was confused, like, I don't want to work. I want to be rich. He goes, no, rich being wealthy is a disaster. There are men in our family that became wealthy, ruined their lives, no, no, found no love, no relationships. He goes, I genuinely never met a, a happy rich person. Might be true. And says, if you're gonna do something with it, do something with it that's substantial. And this is where the hyperbole might end, but hyperbole is good because you can imagine how you can change your life. It's a parable to look into your life and go, how would I change it if I could change it now? How would I do it different? So today, as we conclude and refocus to this COVID experience, what is God saying to you? How can you come back to the center? Stand with me as we pray. You know what I learned during COVID in our community? We haven't met in six months. Even though we, we haven't gathered together until today, we had a COVID funeral. We had COVID babies. And we had COVID weddings. In the midst of the disruption, Though love was mingled with grief, I think it became greater. Folks, today it's about time. If you're in the rat race, chase whatever you're chasing, chase relationships at the central place of your life with God and others because everything else is trivial I remember being at the COVID funeral and thinking the tragedy of someone so young dying about one of our brothers but being there with him I sent him a box like eight boxes of chocolate after the funeral because I know what it's like to lose. And I lost both my parents. Grief is sinuous. It comes and goes. It's not linear at all. And sometimes an arm around the shoulder is nice, but sometimes chocolate is nice. That's how we're there for each other. 
It's about being there at that moment when someone really needs you and being present. And when we saw COVID babies, I guess grief mingled with love really is greater. I saw in the midst of affliction, beauty. And how life goes on. And how we're there for the joyous moments of our lives together. And then COVID weddings, Whew, they're stressful. We have one more next week. But they're also beautiful. And maybe that's the greatest lesson that you can learn before getting married, that you're going to go through these type of trials together. You're going to come out stronger. Amen. Will you lift your hands with me today as we pray together and come back and look up throughout all the trials and tribulations and the grief. God has never once let us walk alone. He was with us. Let's make this our prayer. He will never let you go. Is Kevin with you? I'll say the words and we're going to sing this together. And I just need Kevin. He won't let you go. He won't let you go. The moment that you say. Sing with me. Come and live in me. Take me all the way. What he said is true. He will never leave you. Forever by your side. Oh, it's true. He won't let you go. Though the seasons change. He's never been so close. He's just a prayer away. When you hear the Father's call. When he's calling to you. Run into his arms. Don't hesitate. He won't let you go. When he's forever by your side, he wants you to know. Jesus has paid the price. He wants you to go. Forever in paradise. Getting close to him is really all you have to and even when you die he will still be by your side he will never let you go 
He will never let you go. So wherever you might be today in your faith, whether close, far, or somewhere in between, this is good exercise, the noise right here, see? A lot of people seeking say, I don't hear God's voice. Some believers who've been in church for a long time say, I, I don't hear anything. Maybe it's not that God is not speaking. Maybe the noise is drowning what he's saying. What is paramount though is to find his voice. Because what he's saying is, I love you. I'm here with you. I pray that we would find that voice. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Eat in peace.